You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. Cults, coercion, and sexuality in society. These are the topics for The Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tease, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. Hi, this is Frankie's mom, and you're listening to the Morningland Papers on Frankie Files Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of Frankie Files Podcast. I'm Frankie Tees, and I have special guests with me today, Frankie's mom. Today we're doing an untold story of mom. You've heard a lot about our trafficking story getting to Morningland community in the 70s. Today I wanted to go through the mother's perspective, the single mom who was recruited into this cult. Take you through the timeline like we do any other interview. It's about time we do this, huh, Mom? Oh, yes it is. I know. I told you we'd do it a while ago. Things got in the way. Maybe it's a little serendipity, too. For those of you who don't know, Morningland is a community, quote marks, around that at 2600 East 7th Street in Long Beach, California. And this is a part of the Morningland Papers. We've been doing a series talking to ex-members and doing things, covering things like the article that was written by Signal Tribune. Today, we're going to talk to mom. Of course, I have some memories, but what were you doing in Long Beach right before you met and encountered Morningland? We, as a family, were in North Long Beach. You're a single mom. Dad had been kicked to the curb because he was negligent in so many words. And so you decided to raise us by yourself. Talk about what that was like, 1974 in Northern Long Beach. Simply said, I went from four jobs to one. And that was a good thing because the one was paying a lot more than the four part-time jobs. We were in transit in that respect of changing our uh, lifestyle and uh, our daily activities. I had finally come to my decision to not be a spiritual person anymore. I'm tired of churches. When you had such a bad experience with our father, you know, being told you have to be married to get to heaven maybe didn't suit you? It maybe did not. I was, um, I guess I was in the Mormon religion for a couple of years before I heard their belief on how a woman gets to be with God. What family members were around you at that time? Well, my mother was helping a lot. Grandma, she was helping a lot and, and always did. Um, cousins, aunts, uncles on my side. Right. Dad's family not around. Single parent. We're in Girl Scouts. We're in bowling. Somewhere you got an invite. Tell us about that. I don't think it was related to your uh, music lessons. You had private uh, piano lessons. and You were doing music at school. We haven't been able to trace that. You and I have discussed this, and we haven't been able to trace it yet. 
I got an invitation to go to Parents Without Partners, and we did, all three of us, because it was uh, going to be a pizza night, and people from Morningland Church representing their community, giving us examples of their sciences, which happens to be astrology, palmistry, and tarot. And these three ladies, I like that part, these three ladies were dressed in white garb. Uh, I think it was pants and a loose top. Mm -hmm. All of them looking quite a bit alike. Tiaras on their head. They're showing psychic abilities. That's what they do. Can you explain why at the Parents Without Partners meeting? I'm sure they were what I would call recruiting. They want more people in their church, so they offered classes. They talked about the classes in, in the sciences. They talked about readings, and you can come and get your reading, and we have Sunday service. I wasn't interested in the Sunday service, but maybe a class. Now, we're in North Long Beach, and Morningland is in East Long Beach, about 20 minutes away right. by freeway. And that's, you know, kind of substantial. Uh, it, it took me a while to decide whether or not to go because of the long drive we would have to have. And, you know, being a working single mom, it takes a minute. I remember that when we did go there, you went to some classes, I believe. Those would be at night. You worked graveyard. But you found a way to go to the classes, and I remember that people in the next room over adjoining room at Ohio and 7th in Long Beach, which is still there, watched all the kids in one room while the parents were at the lessons, quote marks. This is 1974. This is at towards the end of the year, maybe October or November. Well, because I uh, had no interest in the church part, I didn't really want the idea of a discipleship. So I took a class and I had a reading with Morningstar and you had a reading with Morningstar and I got a reading for my brother who was in Wyoming from Morningstar, had another class and another class and before I know it's 1976. I'm not a spiritual person anymore, so it's kind of weird that I would want to be a disciple. Uh, I was uh, having a really bad night at work. Things were piling up, problems, car problems, etc. It's, you know, life. And I decided that that Sunday I was going to go to Sunday service. That was probably one of the rarest visits I've ever <laughs> made to a Sunday service. So there I was, finally relaxing, and uh, the lights were low, the candles were lit, wall with Jesus' picture on it, and Donato's picture on it. The music started playing, and all of a sudden, I was on top of my head, viewing from way up on top of my head, not in my body, not through my physical eyes, I was seeing another space where the people were had been sitting maybe there was 15 people in, in that room at the time sitting in fold-up chairs now there were just egg-shaped lights that were huge and in an egg shape but it's all electrical could not see the body it was just the egg shape everybody in there was just electrical i was totally out of pain, no body pain, no fear. It was just a 
a wonderful experience. And then as the music stopped, I went right back into my body. Once again, I felt the gravity and I opened my eyes and everybody was back like it was before. That very night I said, okay, I need to be a disciple. I don't think I ate or drank anything prior to uh, the service beginning because I, I came just exactly at the time, sat down and uh, participated. We had gone to several pancake breakfasts, which were held in North Long Beach, and I'm pretty sure it was after we went to Morningland, not through the Boys and Girls Club. I do remember seeing posters or uh, leaflets mm -hmm. in Morningland uh, giving us dates and times of the next uh, pancake breakfast and where, mm -hmm. you know. It was large. Too. It was. Well, it and it was one of the things that both, both of my daughters liked. We are with Tanano and the Gopis in the Long Beach Temple. Can you tell us who was running the temple? It was Dan Sperato and Morningstar. In addition to Morningstar, there was Tanine, Aria, and Pathina as Gopis. Now here are some other Gopis that we had on a list that were not necessarily in the early days of Morningland. Nasanta, Carizabane, Malikia, Viantri, Solendra, Teus, and Kriya, Gopi Show crew, of course. These are through Escondido and perhaps after Donato's death. And what do you know about Escondido at that time? Let's see. I had been to Escondido once during that time. Probably just a Sunday service. I had thought about moving there, just learned that there was a second location, so I thought I'd check it out. There were more families that came back, and, and I actually asked Donato if I should move there because we had a family and that this is more single people here than in Escondido, and he said no. You're in the right place. Patricia Sperato, under any other name, was running Escondido alongside of Saravati that we know of and a couple of other gopis. Quite a few members between the two temples by the 1976 year. And that is a year I thought we would talk about next. That's the year Donato died, Dan Sperato died, and that was November of 76. Talk about the death of Donato. We did a whole episode on this, but I thought as a disciple, getting your unique perspective of what happened would be a part of this interview. You know, what the number one thing that comes to my mind as a recall of his death is that I felt no communication with him. I felt no connection. Even when I asked to be a disciple, I did not feel a connection with him. I asked to be a disciple because of a totally new experience to me. And uh, as far as the leaders of Morningland, I've never felt a connection with either one. So you were in Long Beach when this took place. Dies in Crestline, but then his wife, Sri Patricia Sperato, has his funeral in Escondido. Now you were going to tell us about going there and attending that funeral. Before talking about being at the funeral, I don't remember when and how I was notified. But it was on a weekend, evidently, because he was at the lodge for a weekend seminar. 
So I wouldn't, I don't believe I was at the temple. So maybe a call or something like that. And that gave us three days to talk about it. And believe me, plenty of people were talking about this. Rumors, rumors, and rumors. More and more. People that knew people in Escondido would be on the phone and trying to get information. There were rumors of, of his death. Nobody really had any facts. And I do remember just uh, all kinds of bubbling rumors. By the time the funeral came about, um, we definitely had feelings about what's going on and we expected strange things and we got them. After the funeral, we went to Escondido gathering. Everybody that was from Long Beach that was at the funeral was also at the Escondido gathering. People were being escorted out, so there's quite a gathering in the Escondido building. And Pat is going around um, looking at the members and telling which people need to leave and, and that kind of a... It was chaos. It was total chaos in that room. She had evidently decided to have all three locations, quote, help Donato get to the mothership. I was invited to go to Crestline, California at the location that Morningland had up there. So there would be three locations, Long Beach, California, Crestline, California, and Escondido, California. All three would be assisting in Donato's ascension. So I made arrangements for my daughters to be with Grandma, and I went up to the lodge in Crestline. I believe there was maybe 30 or 40 people up there. Immediately, everybody gathered in a circle, and we started chanting, We are all one with Donato the Christ. We are all one with Donato the Christ. And we did that for uh, all night and it takes three to five days to get a um, funeral arranged, so it's probably the next weekend. So we did that on all three locations, and I can tell you the power, I, I just felt it all the way through my body after hours of chanting. I really felt special. I was part of a group and a part of an experience that's never, ever taken place before. Um, I'm sorry to be the one. Luluz Tamundo had a two weeks long prayer vigil when their leader died to pray for the who, who would be the leader. And they had already picked him out. They gnashed their teeth and prayed and cried in the thousands for a week or two putting off prayers and chores and kids because this was a crisis in the church, a dimensional crisis. And now we know who the leader is and who's emerged as the leader? Ta-da! The son that was chosen all along. He was the successor. Well, similarly, ta-da! Shri emerges as the new leader. Okay, so what about the funeral that was held in Escondido? Yes, it was a, a very pleasant funeral, and his fellow workers from the Long Beach um, Girls and Boys Club visited the funeral as well, and they were surprised at the following that Dan had. At that time, I think Morningland had uh, over a 1,000 members. I remember her going around 
looking at different people. And I do remember her stopping and staring at me. And I stared back, and that's all the connection that I had with her. She didn't throw me out, she, but she did other people. She'd tell them to leave, and they were escorted out by some guys. Upon returning to Long Beach, I received a phone call that told me we were going to be on sabbatical. No time frame given, just mm-hmm. stay away from the temple. Stay away from other disciples. Enjoy some time as a family. Okay. It was somewhere around six months. To be honest with you, that was such a relief to actually not have to go into Morningland. I enjoyed the quiet time because that chaos was just a bit much. It was overwhelming sometimes when you think about it. And then after a few months, after a couple months, I started having the ability to think about how somebody snapping their fingers and telling me what to do. How does that affect me? What am I doing just being obedient? And why? Where did that come from? I don't even know what the future of this organization is going to be. To be honest, I still don't know why I didn't walk away. We received a phone call and uh, told to be at the temple at such and such a time and, and date. And that's when we went back, and I call Pat Sperato just Pat. Okay, Pat held all of us in one room and started talking about who you see is who's in Morningland, period. So evidently, there had been a lot of people that had left. Well, I started looking around. She gave us each time, look around, and who you see is in Morningland. That's it. We did take a moment and, and look around. There were a lot of new faces to me. So maybe Escondido people. And there were a lot of familiar faces to me. So uh, I was glad to see some other people from Long Beach. We now know that Escondido was being shut down. And all the leadership that was still with Sri Patricia at that time was moved to Long Beach. And there was a huge regime change from the vibe and the conduct of Donato. They were buying a property in Escondido, and it was rejected by the neighborhood, and there was police investigations. And you can read more on my Substack about that, frankietees.substack.com. There's quite a bit of history in the article, Morningland renamed the monastery title. My thinking is that they took that money and then invested it into what's now the city block in Long Beach. I do believe history shows that that investment that was going to go into Escondido went into real estate in Long Beach. I do remember the uh, next announcement that Pat made was that since Donato is aboard the uh, mothership right above Long Beach, he's amongst other very high teachers. She will be channeling Mm -hmm. more than just Donato. So her name is now... Sri Donato, and we are to refer to her. She would then also be using, um, instead of I do this, it is a we do this. We are doing this now. We are doing that now. She said we all the time. There's no more I. We are getting some iced tea. Channeling in itself, I scoff at it now. You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. 
remember how I became a disciple? I had some special event in my life where I was actually out of my body and mm-hmm. stuff. Well, it wasn't until I was in my 50s that I, in my reading um, and in just learning more about that, that I heard it's not uncommon. It's not necessarily connected to any human. You know, you don't need a teacher for that to happen. There's a lot of people out there that have this happen. I became very proud that I was called back. Mm. I really couldn't understand why I was Mm -hmm. called back because, like I said, I didn't feel all that connected to Dan. And and I didn't know Pat at all, so uh, I felt always felt like I was out of out of connection with everything. Quite excited that I was part of this. Oh, thank you. And I would like to add uh, regarding the doctrine that it was always said that you're part of the one hundred and forty four thousand if you were called back. So, yeah, I'm sure it was hyped quite a bit. Like, yeah. oh, we're special. Oh, yeah, we are special. We're going to help save the planet. So one of the things that I remembered uh, that she also talked about was the need that we had to create money to take care of the bills. There would be added classes. There would be more garage sales. And she was pepping us up to work, work, work. I would be a part of things, but um, I would show up after I uh, get some rest during the day because I was a day sleeper. So there's such a blur about everything that was going on during that time. I do remember the classes as and screaming and yelling mm. because these were now called clearing sessions. There were early warning system groups Mm -hmm. that had been created that were to spy, if you will. They were to listen what we're talking about out there. Mm -hmm. And I became silent. Mm -hmm. I I became very quiet and not talking to anybody. One of my jobs was to collect the money as people were going into the classes and to cross out their names of attendance and, you know, do the paperwork kind of thing. And I worked with another young lady, and we did almost every class. Now, also around this time, um, there was a lot of books being produced on topics of Donato the Christ and healings, and there was a special class being created, one of the Gopis, Gopi Gion, was assigned the class for helping us write our healings. So one night, it was my turn, evidently, because here I signed up for the class like we were demanded to, and I attended my class that night. Gion turned to me and asked, do you know your healing? Well, she must have seen the big question mark on my face because I didn't answer, but she told me the title of my healing, and that was Abusive Parent. And then she produced suggestions of how I could write about it, what I could say, and I went and wrote it. And I would like to expound on this as a kid. They made sure all the family was involved asking us questions to incriminate my mom as an abusive parent. 
Now, if you use the switch on your kid when they're late for dinner, because you're scared they're out in desk and you don't know where they are, which we would play in our neighborhood, that's the stuff we're talking about. So tell us about Gopi Gyan, because one of my memories is that she was an abused woman. She was married to a man whose name I don't know, and she was constantly showing up with oversized sunglasses to hide black eyes. That's very true. She was. So she's sitting there, an abused woman, clearly trapped in her Gopi ship, trapped in her marriage and not in charge and also being abused overtly in front of others. They saw it too, and they let this go on in front of us. And so she's telling you you're healing. What hypocrisy? I know that Morningland doesn't look at it that way. The Frankie Files. So we talk about this narrative they're forming that you're an abusive parent is a good thing for the clergy. Sri Donato, Saravani, Gopishukru, the Lama later to separate us from you, which they began to do systematically. In age 11, we are moved to come close. So we moved on to Ohio and eight in an upstairs apartment there. And we changed schools. And this is middle school, a pivotal time in anyone's life. You also changed jobs. Yes, the work hours were different. So uh, finally, I was getting night sleep, but I had to be home in bed in order to wake up to be uh, the person that opens the building at five in the morning at my job. New location, new job, um, changes at Morningland as well. It was a trying time, and I was thrilled that you were being able to use your music, and I felt an honor. I did. You talked to me about pressures in our conversations about this time period. My sister and I are age 12 to 14. That whole process is quite busy because they're prying us away from you at that time. Wanted to see if you could talk about that. I think it was during that time that you were given the chance to be with the music department because you had uh, quite a history with music and piano and playing at school. Yeah, Percussion, strings, we did it all. Yeah, so it made sense to me. Well, I see a continuing theme here is that you've been chosen theme. I mean, that's how they sold it all the time to everybody. You've been selected. You've been chosen. And, of course, we're honored to be the daughters of Isis. And they start telling us that's our special order. And by 14, they start picking us up from school in middle school, age 14. They kept things behind my back. Yeah, I would say 12 to 14 is the beginning of the end. I remember um, an ex-disciple telling me once upon a time that he knew exactly what I was feeling because he and his wife were having a similar thing that my daughters and I were having. My children were being told what to say to me and what not to say to me. His wife was being told what to say to him and what not to say to It was validated to me that that was what was going on. And things started getting very frightening in a way. Remember, I was silent for a long time. The yelling and screaming just was not comfortable for me. And I became silent. At that point, what I think is intriguing about our story is you went to put us on restriction from the temple, that's it. 
you're coming home directly after school and doing your homework and you are on restriction. You're grounded. That's the word that I used. I said, you're grounded and you're not going to Morningland if you can't make it to school. Evidently, I had had some kind of communication from the school that uh, you weren't attending. Either that or you were late in attendance. I do recall grounding you and that was it. One night I went to do my usual duties and I was pulled aside by Gopi Saravati. I was told that you will not interfere between a disciple and the master. You mean your kids? Uh, yeah. So she's telling you what to do with your kids, Saravati. Obviously, it was coming from the master through Saravati to me. Now, Saravati ran the music department, and she would tell us when to be there. And so now we are being told what to do, and you're being told to back off. What was that feeling? Because I remember recently you were telling me how you knew in your mind if you tried to take us away, we would run back. That came after more events. This event was at the beginning of events, and I was stunned. I didn't look at it that way. I was looking at it, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to come in between a disciple and the master. No. You're still thinking we won the lottery and we have a future in a church that honors women. And I was also feeling, who are you to tell me what to do? Oh, yeah. It was sure. it was that motherly feeling and mm -hmm. the idea that I am interfering with the master and what the master is teaching a disciple. Let's talk about that. There's two parts of you warring. Very much. So, I mean, which was louder? Because hmm. this is a systematic separation. It wasn't all at once. Exactly. Very much so. I was being pretty cautious. I'll use that word. Yes, I was silent and I felt frightened. And that was a confrontation I didn't really want hmm. from Saravati or Pat, either one. Actually, I should call her Peggy because that's her real name. At that time, she's the number two person in charge. Intimidation, yeah. A lock on the heart, a lock on the mouth. Just take it and walk away. Stage one. They ran a conspiracy on our family. And my mom's telling all of us today, slow steps that were taken. I do remember the first step. It was in 1976 when you had your astrology reading. And you were told by Gopi Morningstar that the two of you were different, not identical twins. You were two different people. You were not that connected. You were two people, yeah, going different ways. Mm -hmm. So that was a start on separating twins because twins are very close, usually, you know? Oh, we finished each other's sentences. Could you even tell us the part? At what point did you denote how to tell us the part? What year? Day three. Okay. <laughs> the moles, maybe? That's the only way that my mother and I would use to tell you apart. One of you had a mole on your leg. Now, speaking of my grandma on your side, no family is around at this point. We're not going to family events. We used to go to all the Thanksgiving and Christmas events. That was over. Pulled away from all family. We were too busy. Saving the world? Saving the world. 
You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. I was walking by a table where Pat Sperato was sitting and uh, her entourage, and she, as I was walking by, she yelled out, thank you for your daughters. She had just initiated my daughters as daughters of ISIS. Yeah, and that was really an ownership claim. And I didn't want to make a scene. So once again, step down, swallow it. That's how I felt. By the time we're 17, they've dropped us out of school. They had been picking us up at school every day. We went directly to the temple. We barely saw you for quick family meetings. And when we slept over at our house that night, we moved from Ohio and 8th nearer to the temple to 666 Molino. So there you're living where you can oversee the parking lot. And this day is coming that they've been waiting for and planning for and have been separating us for. They've made a narrative that you're an abusive parent and that we're better off with them. Well, as my basic belief that Morningland is a good place, full of good people and doing the right thing for the world. When I did see my daughters getting out of a car, they were coming from school. That was my first awareness that my daughters were being picked up Mm. by somebody from Morningland. Really? And it was X5, who is Terry Smith. And that person owned that car. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that now uh, my daughters are telling me that they had been picked up from school for a very long time. To go to special training sessions after school. The reason that we moved right next door to Morningland was that my daughters were becoming more and more important. They were needing to be in the music department more and more. They were being trained and uh, needed to be close so that they didn't have such a long walk, which was maybe three blocks at the most, Mm -hmm. uh, to our apartment building just down the street. So now we lived right next door, and it was very easy for them to come home at night and get a good night's sleep, so I thought. Once Saravati said, you will not come between a disciple and their master, everything changed in my classes. None of the teachers were allowed to speak to me. I'd raise my hand in a class to say something. I was told to keep that thought for later. Mm-hmm. And of course, it would never be later. I was told that when I'd stop somebody in the hallway, for instance, I do mean a teacher, and ask a question, they were always too busy to talk. I was being shunned already. Now, my daughters were shunning me, and that was leading up to their birthday, their 18th birthday. And some part of me knew that my time in Morningland depended on their age. September of 1984. The legal age of 18 was coming, and that very night, I was asked to turn in my disciple pendant that hung around my neck since 1976 and leave and not come back, and and I was shunned ever since. We had already been told to move our belongings into the temple, And that was that, and there was no even discussion on our end with the master. They didn't even bother. 
So it took me a couple of months, believe it or not. Uh, I was doing, I had the setup, the usual setup at home that we all had these little, uh, a candle and fire and water set up for us to do a little altar there and hands over the heat of the candle and touch our various places on our face and head and the water to follow. This was all religious stuff. And one night when I was doing that, I I stopped right in the middle and I said, wait a minute, you promised me no more religion. I said that to myself. I, I was shocked at myself. Wait a minute. I was finally waking up. It was such a, a an awareness that something finally was letting me go. Before that, I felt just controlled. I don't know how else to say that. I felt controlled. I had my doubts, but I couldn't do anything about them. They wouldn't go anywhere. Being a parent, I could have just done what a, a normal parent would go <laughs> do and just, hey, my daughters and I are leaving. Okay, it's really, really tough to talk about that. It was either that night or the next night. It was very soon after my realization that I had more and more awareness of what I'd been through, and I started crying. I couldn't stop. I started making a lot of noise. I I feel so sorry for my neighbors at that time. I was screaming at Donato. I was throwing pillows all over my bedroom. I was hitting the bed. I was calling him names. I could not stand the fact that he left that person in charge and knowing what kind of a person she was, what she was. Oh, I was so disgusted. I hurt from head to toe and that crying was for hours. The connection was breaking and I finally saw that for what it was. And suddenly my brain was thinking about the things that I needed to do. I need to find out where I was, what happened to me. A lot of us that had left were doing different things to assist um, the painful separation that uh, was happening. There were people that uh, we realized would go back. There were people that we realized would not go back. We These are people that we've been seeing for some of us for nine years. It was a it's a it was a difficult time for everybody. So um, a lot of people chose to stay in contact and well, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? Kind of thing. And uh, Al Stone created this beautiful. A website. It's all mashed together at mm-hmm. the same time as well. I started researching where I should go for therapy because I realized that not every therapist understood cult mind. And I sought out the Jewish Family Services because the Jewish Federation and the Jewish Family Services were in the same spot. And the Jewish Federation had a lot of information on the topic of cults, so they would know. So I signed up for that, and I went for therapy. 
and they did know. They sent me to Cult Awareness Network. I started working with Cult Awareness Network. I got my name on the list at Jewish Federation for anybody that needed to know anything about Morningland. Call me. You have my phone number. You can call me. Uh, at the same time, I was communicating with a mm -hmm. reporter at Press Telegram, mm -hmm. um, trying to get some information in print for everybody. Mm -hmm. I was helping to send people that were interested in giving him information. 87, I think the articles came out from Press Telegram. That also was taking place. Well, I didn't have current pictures of my daughters, and I thought, at this point, if I were ever to run into them, I might not recognize them. So I better take some adult pictures. And that's what I was doing from my own apartment. I was using my high-tech camera, taking individual and group pictures of my daughters, what they were doing out there. I could be seen through the window because all of a sudden I see Pat Sparato, who is now known as Sri Donato, walk across the parking lot that was very busy with disciples and uh, a garage sale, people coming and going. And right in the middle of the garage sale, reached out and kissed one of my daughters right on the lips so that I would be able to see her. I cannot uh, thoroughly describe by this time what it would feel like, what it did feel like. I had rage and tears, and rage and tears. It was beyond understanding what to do. I really had a hard time. One of the opportunities that I ran into with Cult Awareness Network was hearing about people that were aiding families and getting their loved ones out of cults. There was a price to pay because it's illegal to kidnap people and a lot of information of who would be viable and who would not be responsive. And the conversations I had with two different professional people on these services, both of them said that if a child has been raised in a cult, it's a 50-50 chance of being able to keep them out of a cult, even if you got them. Now, anyone listening who's a cult kid, you know, tell that to everyone you know, because it's showing the level of indoctrination and control is different when you're a young person born in or going pre-puberty which we were. And all the professionals know it. Now everyone in the world needs to know it. Just a point from the cult kid over here in the corner. I appreciate that point. The Frankie Files. What is it you want parents to know about Morningland after what you directly experienced from the leaders. These are the leaders who are still very much in power there at 2600 East 7th Street. What is it you want parents to know about this cult and other dangerous groups? How can they safeguard their children? What do you want them to know? Do your, your research now on cults. Understand cults because they are everywhere. And don't get stuck in thinking that it's just a spiritual situation, and we're not spiritual, so we're not gonna go to a cult. 
There are plenty of cults out there that are not based around religion. Be experienced. Uh, learn about coercion. Everybody needs to know how they're being coerced into anything. Buying insurance, buying a car. We've all been there. But this is very important. Spiritual advisor, a sports or career advisor, a teacher. This type of thing opens up the young person to coercion at a high, high risk level. Parents are thinking, and this happened with R. Kelly, they're helping their child get the best possible music career. And then they were willing to do whatever. Yes, the child can live on premise. Yes, this, yes, that. Meanwhile, the child is then open to abuse. They say, well, I know what's best for your child. And now you've given up the reins. I mean, I wish you could help parents identify before they give up the reins because then it's really too late the coercion is mental and we're very obedient as young people if we think this is our mentor everything they say means everything every day every minute we're going to follow whatever they say yes it's very important to have friends and family members be a part of your children's lives it's also very important to have special outings they call vacations have vacations together go somewhere see the world for those of us who have experienced trauma whether it be a cult or anything else there's a wonderful book that i found the title is the myth of normal and it's written by dr mate m-a-t-e he's taught me more in that book about myself and my trauma that I have been through. Many traumas, actually. I do hope, if you need to have assistance, that you try reading his book. Thank you for being on Frankie Files podcast, all the appearances so far, and all the support you've given me as your daughter to get this far in telling my story. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Frankie. Hi, this is Frankie's mom, and you're listening to the Morningland Papers on Frankie Files podcast. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com.